At 6 o'clock, or just a little after this morning, we tabled the buzz line question. We've had a phenomenal response to it. The question, very simply, are you for or against a 2030 Olympics in Vancouver? We played back a bunch of your responses after the 8 o'clock news. Here's another one, just to refresh your memory. I'm just calling to say I would not be in favor of the 2030 Olympics at all. I think that there are many other things that are far more important for the citizens of this province to be uh, dealt with before we even contemplate spending that kind of money on something uh, of that nature. We do thank you, all of you, who took uh, time out of your busy Saturday morning to take a moment and share your thoughts about a 2030 Olympic bid in Vancouver. Uh, Colleen Hardwick joins us, Councillor Hardwick, of course, from Vancouver City Hall and Team Merrillty candidate for 22. Uh, Councillor, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning, Sterling. Carly, Beautiful we, day. Well, yes, it is a lovely day, and uh, we're going to, of course, the big party at uh, English Bay tonight. I used to be, I was a judge a few years ago for the uh, Celebration of Light. It's quite, quite an evening's entertainment. It's going to be a lot of fun. Fantastic. So let's talk about the Olympics, Colleen, because you are uh, one at City Hall, one of a, a small group, it, it appears, that favors citizen input into this. We have an election coming up in October. Uh, why not add one line to an existing ballot that wouldn't cost much printer's ink to include, saying basically what we asked uh, our listeners this morning. Are you for or against a 2030 Olympics in Vancouver? So why the resistance to citizen taxpayer input, Colleen? Well, the excuse that's being used is that these are Indigenous-led games, and that means somehow that we don't have a democratic responsibility to our citizens. Uh, I don't see the two as being mutually exclusive. Well, and uh, as we found out in a letter that you would probably have read out loud on Wednesday at the at the city council meeting, uh, the indigenous groups who are leading this bid uh, were getting uh, trying to get Vancouver City Council on side to move forward after city staff reported that they couldn't uh, authorize city council to endorse this bid because there were too many unanswered questions, too many just question marks to be able to be confident about an endorsement. I don't expect that's changed in the last three days. No, there, there were uh, risk considerations that were drawn out in the report. Uh, one was the very tight timeline to evaluate and negotiate between now and December. Two was the commitment of staff and resources managing the FIFA 26 World Cup, and I think the Invictus Games is also uh, on the line. Right. Uh, the game's governance is unclear. The city has a large stake with little control over the process. The costs and financial risks are just uh, very significant. And the degree of, of public support, well, we don't know because we're unprepared to put it uh, on the ballot before the electorate. I mean, forget about things like displacement of housing of insecure residents and disruption to local businesses. To me, the fact that we're we're not prepared to go out to the electorate is shocking. So the International Olympic Committee, rather, and the Canadian Olympic Committee are, are both actually uh, seem to be on side with the notion of no taxpayer input. This goes back to a referendum they had in Calgary a few years ago, Colleen, when Calgarians were asked to consider re-hosting a Winter Olympics of the future, having successfully done a great job back in 88. So with that experience under their belt, the citizens of Calgary said, no thanks. 
And that was an embarrassment for the Canadian Olympic Committee and ultimately the IOC. Is that why they appear to be resistant to taxpayer input this time? Well, it could be um, one of the considerations, but the bottom line is, what are you afraid of? If you're so confident that this is the right thing to do, to uh, reboot the Olympics in 2030, why are you unprepared to go to the people? That, at the heart of it, that is the question. So now there is a, a municipal election afoot. There will be a vote in October. You're a player on the field. Is this whole Olympic business, multi-billion dollar Olympic business, expected to be a, a, a contentious issue in terms of voter decisions? Well, I would hope so, because it's illustrative of a larger problem that we have at City Hall, and that is the fact that, that we're not listening. The people that are elected are responsible to represent their constituents, but they're not listening. They're saying that we know better than you, um, and, you know, to me, that is something that has been across the board during this term on council and needs to be changed. And what's going on with the Olympics is just illustrative of that larger problem. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the other four levels of government, too, because, of course, the province has a role to play in all of this. Ultimately, the province could be the, in, uh, the backstop, if you will, financially of this whole thing as they were in 2010. So there's not a lot of enthusiasm out of Victoria that I'm able to measure these days. What do you see? You have a better angle on the provincial capital than I do. Well, we did receive a letter from the minister, and it stated that the province of BC, um, that this was to the COC, should not assume the province will be responsible for indemnifications. So neither the federal, the federal government, of course, as a matter of policy, the federal government does not indemnify international sporting events. Right. So the, Van the city of Vancouver and other parties are out on a limb. So, again, I need to return to this notion of reconciliation because the, the argument is if we have a vote of uh, citizens as to whether or not they agree with uh, their resources and ours being directed to this, that is somehow or another an affront, uh, an impediment to reconciliation. Uh, I don't understand the argument. Frankly, I don't see any merit to it at all. Well, we all embrace the notion that we are a city of reconciliation. and uh, But I do not see where that supersedes our responsibility to our citizens, to our electorate. We are conducting elections in October, the last time I checked, mm -hmm. to elect representatives for the roughly 660,000 people that reside within the boundaries from the university endowment lands to Boundary Road. That is our job. And that doesn't, uh, and reconciliation doesn't preclude that responsibility to our citizens. Are you surprised by the reaction of CKNW listeners this morning when given a chance to uh, to ring in on the notion? It was a pretty resounding no thanks. Well, um, I have taken the position throughout that I'm not saying that I'm pro or con Olympics. What I am um, advocating for is to let the people decide and let the people have a voice in this. Um, you know that I have concerns that we have not seen the books. The books from the 2010 Olympics are embargoed at the city archives. Right. And we won't be able to see those until 2025. And any other, <laughs> any other decision that you would have to make 
without the benefit of knowing how you did previously, to me, that's bad decision making. So that's, but ultimately, it should be up to the people. When you're talking about a $4 billion price tag, mm-hmm. to not consult with the people, I think, is irresponsible. Yeah, this, how convenient that the bid remains sealed until 2025, long after any decision will be taken on this 2030 uh, bid proposal. Uh, who was responsible for sealing that deal as tightly down as it is? Um, the second to last city manager. Ah, interesting. And of course, Vanock, whose uh, who's, uh, books and numbers are the source of said seal for, until 2025. But it is, uh, you're right. If, if you're going to make a, a multi-billion dollar decision and you don't even have the last round set of numbers as some kind of template or at least metric that you can measure against, it makes the decision making process even more difficult, doesn't it? Well, obviously it does. Um, I just, I can't imagine a world where, where you wouldn't want to see the historical data on which to base a decision. To, to me, it's irresponsible. Colleen, and I want to change gears in the last uh, moment or two that we have. Yesterday, City Council approved the Vancouver Plan, the 30-year long horizon view for the city and its development future. Where did you come down on that? Well, I voted against it, and I'll tell you why. I advocated for a reboot of the city plan process. I started doing that back in 2005, and I ran on it in 2018. And when the motion came forward to this council, I seconded it enthusiastically. But my expectation was that we were going to continue a process that Vancouver is known for of community or neighborhood-based planning. Because we have, you know, the the Mount Pleasant plan, the Kitsilano plan, Dunbar plan Mm -hmm. all across the city. And so the objective was to knit together that tapestry of, of neighborhood plans to take it to the next level asking ourselves, how can we um, anticipate population growth, densification across the city and the various different things that that are at at task, like mobility, community amenities, commercial space, green space, all of those things need to be looked at at a hyper-local level. But that hasn't happened here. We've taken this top-down, deterministic, almost autocratic approach to, you know, we, we at City Hall are going to tell you, according to our um, our priorities, how the city is going to be shaped. Mm. And to me, it's like taking a steamroller across uh, and just completely negating all of the, the uh, plans that have, have uh, come in the past. And so, again... When the city plan process was conducted over the 90s, over 100,000 Vancouverites participated pre-internet. This has been done during a pandemic, mostly online, consulting the industry without consulting the people. And it's another illustration of the democratic deficit in this city today. Interesting. Well, aren't we just heating up the uh, the old cauldron here for a good corker of a round come October in municipal <laughs> politics, which is always fun on a bad day in Vancouver. Colleen Hardwick, thanks so much for this. We do appreciate uh, your joining us again this morning. Thanks so much. Have a great one. You too. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.